Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the True North CFL podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at TaylorCurrySK. I'm James Tees. You can follow me at uh, James underscore Tees. You spell Tees, T-E-E-S. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. We're on YouTube, uh, Instagram at True North CFL Podcast. We're on Twitter at True North CFL Pod. Uh, we're also on Spotify and SoundCloud. So uh, search us up by our name and you'll find us. Yep. And without further ado, we're going to get into the recap of last week's games where the Stamps lost a close one, 28-29 in Winnipeg. Now, guys, how did Zach look in this game? Uh, he looked really good for his first game, really, of the year. Uh, throwing for two touchdowns and completing 78% of his passes. Uh, and he made some clutch throws in the meantime, too. So I think he had a pretty good performance back. I was, I was surprised. I was surprised as well. Uh, I thought he'd be a shell of himself uh, because he's missed three quarters of his season, if not more. Uh, so I kind of expect him to drop off, but he didn't really. He had a pretty good performance, and I was overall impressed with him. Yeah, I thought he looked good, too. Um, he had 221 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, and 10 rushing yards. I mean, it's a nice debut, especially for someone who really hasn't played since third play of this year. So since we all agree that he looked good... I'm going to ask you, is the old Zach back? I think it's too early to tell. Like, it, it's one game in Winnipeg. You have the crowd behind you with the momentum. Uh, I think it'll be a little different if they have to go to Calgary next week, or in two weeks, sorry, and uh, play in the cold there. I think it's going to be a little different. Uh, I think it's too early to tell. I feel like his supporting cast uh, kind of elevated him. so. It's really to tell. Uh, we'll see once playoffs start. For me, uh, I'm going to say no. I don't think Zach's going to ever get back there. Do I think he can be a decent game manager, sort of like Matt Nichols is? Yeah, I think so, but I don't think he's going to be ever going to come back to that runner-up for MOP conversation ever again in his career. Sorry, no, Zach, if you ever so. hear this, but it's just how I feel. Now... Polaros took a headshot in uh, the first half of the game. I can't remember who did it, but did you guys think that hit was clean or dirty? Because I heard some arguments like he kind of juked, but he also was sliding, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a little dirty, but Zach was uh, going down slow for sure, but uh, the guy doesn't have to hit him like that, and uh, I was honestly surprised to see him get up after that. It was, uh, it, it looked pretty hard. Uh, it was hard. I don't think it was necessarily intentional, probably the heat of the moment, but yeah, it was a little weird. And uh, I'm shocked he got up because at this point his brains are basically mashed potatoes with all the contractions <laughs> he's had. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> true. You know, I think we. Compared him to a walk-in CTE experiment at this point. Um, yeah, I thought it was dirty, but I don't think it was dirty enough to draw a flag because once you start kind of making moves to dodge defenders, you are considered a runner. So if a guy hits him hard like that, you know, it's it's kind of in that gray area. But at the same time, Zach did give himself up sliding, and this oh. guy has a bad injury history, so... He did, I, I, there's, he, there's credence he, to both sides. Yeah, like his slide was not like your ideal slide, and he could have slid a lot earlier and probably got the same amount of yards, but he was just seeing how far he could actually get without getting too hurt, so it, I think it kind of got him. Yeah, I don't think it was an int intentionally dirty, but it ended up being that way. Yeah, 100%, but that's the consequences. If you're going to try and make a play, exactly. Uh, you can't be upset if you get a lick hit on you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, last question about this game. What was the reason for Calgary's defeat? Because they won over at McMahon, and everybody thought they were going to kill the Bombers here, 
especially with Calaro starting. Kinda what happened for Calgary to lose this game? Yeah, it's I mean they just they couldn't score when they had to, like no points in the fourth quarter. That's not Calgary. They had at least a touchdown in every other quarter, so that right there kill, kills it. Like, uh, yeah, Winnipeg's defense just kind of shut them down, even though Bo had 350 yards, but he couldn't get it done when he needed to at the very end of the game. Bo had a classic Bo game. Uh, this is arguably his best game this year. I think it also has to do with them taking their foot off the gas. But also, the issue is they can't run the ball. Uh, yep. They only had, if I'm not mistaken, 45 uh, rushing yards. That's nothing. Like That's, that's horrendous. you got to be able to run the ball, take some time off the clock. Because the time of possession was pretty pretty even. Calgary had a little bit more time of possession, but they just couldn't get it done on the ground. You know, So they forced a boat to throw at every play. We talked about how... That choke job by Winnipeg last week was very Winnipeg-ish. Uh, this loss by Calgary is very un-Calgary-like. It was, you know, zero points in the fourth quarter, as Taylor mentioned. That's that's not what we've come to expect from these Stampeders, especially over these past couple of years. They're arguably one of the most clutch teams in this league. But for them to come up with uh, nil when they really needed some points is definitely disappointing. Yeah, right yeah, before playoffs, it doesn't help. I don't know. Calgary had this uh, had this last year before the playoffs where they lost some close ones, but that's they, true. They're trying, to, yep. they're trying to clinch the division, but in, <laughs> they're in playoffs. It doesn't matter right now. I'm sure, it will matter in November. Do we think the Stamps, for that reason, have maybe become a bit disinterested in the regular season and are kind of looking ahead to the postseason? Well, I we'll we'll see we'll see this weekend when they play BC because that's in BC and I think BC's looking to play spoiler for them, so it, it's going to be intense and I think we'll really see it then. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a poor excuse. People use stuff. Use excuses like this uh, when Texas beat Georgia last year in a bowl game, and people where Georgia was a heavy favorite, and people just use this as an excuse as oh they didn't make the playoffs, so why they they didn't try? But today that's a poor excuse people make for these teams. You're a pro sports team. If you you're, you're you know you can't be making excuses or doing stuff like that. You got to show up every game. Want to win? The game. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um... Yeah. For me, I kind of agree with that. I don't. I don't think Calgary's disinterested, but well, maybe they may be a little bit because again, they're not winning those closer games later in the year. I, I'm not sure what that could be other than really disinterest because this team is certainly one of, if argue, arguably the best teams in the league. You know. Yeah. Now on to the Hamilton versus Montreal game. The Thai Cats winning thirty-eight to twenty-six on the road against Montreal. Now, can Dane Evans lead this Hamilton team to a Grey Cup? Uh, I think he's got the easiest path to get there. They're going to have to play one game, and it's either going to be Edmonton or Montreal in Hamilton. Uh, I think the odds are in their favor, and yeah, I think they'll get there, but depending on their opponent, uh, I think it could be interesting to see if they win the Grey Cup. Yeah, I don't think he can, because regular season's different from playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, people always say the team with more experience wins, and uh, sometimes I, you feel like it's not true, but I think it is in this case. Dane, this is his first time starting Almost a full season, so uh, let's see how he does under the big, right, likes the playoff. Yeah, that's true. Playoffs can certainly throw off certain quarterbacks. I know Kevin Glenn, who's, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer, <laughs> has arguably not been the greatest when it comes to the postseason. Well, yeah. Yep. Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah, there's another one. And now for Dane... 
again, I don't know. I like Montreal. I like the brand of football they were playing, and they were not fully healthy that game. They were missing William Stanback, who earlier in the year torched Hamilton's defense. So, I mean, that probably is a huge factor in this game. And, yeah, I think this matchup will be a little closer come playoff time. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson didn't, like, light it up, but he still had 105 yards, so. He didn't play bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad or anything, but I, I don't think you could argue that he and Stanback are par for each other. I think Stanback's oh, no. obviously the better running back there. But I think right now Stanback slowed down at the end of the season. Like, he was doing great at the start, but like Jeremiah, he's really picked up his game in this, like, in the second half of this season here. And, like, I wonder if they're going to roll with him starting in the playoffs and rotate, but keep Jeremiah in more. That could certainly be an interesting take. I'm not too sure on that one, though. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Now, what can Montreal's defense do differently to not give up these huge plays? Yeah, that's a tough one because there's so much talent on that defense, but they just find they find a way to be one of the worst teams for passing yards per game in the league, and they have a pretty good record. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's really tough to say what the problem is there. Uh, busted coverages, I think. Um, uh, they kind of torched him, like, throwing the ball 372 yards given up. But the time of the possession is so – is so uh, in, in Montreal's favor. Montreal had, had the time of possession for 35 minutes. That's, that's a lot, and they weren't able to yeah. do anything with it. I honestly just, I just think it's busted coverages, and it's also, this is this is Montreal, you know. Uh, I feel like they're almost there; they're just not quite ready yet. Like next, who's going to be their year? Yeah, that's probably right. Um, now I had a hunch watching this game that maybe it was because Montreal wasn't very aggressive on defense. I saw a lot of dropping back in zone plays and things like that, and so. I went and tweeted Derek Taylor asking, in terms of aggressiveness, how does Montreal compare to the rest of the league? And I'll quote him here. He said, least aggressive. Montreal blitzes 24% of the time this season. Least in the league. U.S. sacks and second lowest rate of quarterback pressure. So it could be that they're just giving a lot of time to quarterbacks and those quarterbacks are dicing up their defenses. Well, yeah, somebody eventually is going to get open. Like, if, if you're giving them that much time and you're the lowest in the league, like, what is going on there? Yeah, most definitely. You want to get in that QB's head? Because if you know they're not going to block, you're just going to sit back, throw dimes, because you don't have any worry of anyone getting up in your face and hitting you. If you know they're not going to blitz you, you can basically do any pass play you want. Yeah, and like Derek said, they're, I believe, second in QB pressures. Uh, just And when I think of teams, Montreal isn't a team that can get pressure with four linemen. Like, Saskatchewan, they're a team that can get pressure with four. Calgary, eh, maybe. Edmonton definitely can, too. Like, there's only a few different teams. You could put Winnipeg in there. They can get pressure with four linemen, you know. And... Yeah. I don't feel like Montreal is one of those teams. So. Well, and I mean, it's it's showing. They're clearly not, yeah. Yeah, when, especially when you play a team like that, you can have an empty backfield. If they're unable to get the pressure, that's why they're getting diced up in the passing game because you're able to put another man out there in, uh, in to catch a route rather than in pass pro. Yeah, absolutely, and... Uh... I know Derek followed the podcast right after we I talked to him about that. So if you're listening, shout out Derek Taylor. Shout out Derek Taylor. Shout out to Derek Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so on to our final question for this game. Why did Hamilton leave their starters in for so long after, you know, this game was pretty much, the script was written, Hamilton had the W, but Dane Evans was still in basically until the last drive. You know, I uh, I criticized Dane Evans coming in, to the, well, when he came in 
and like to start and uh he's proved me wrong every week now and uh i just think that they're really building up their momentum and they wanted to let their opponents know like what they're about coming in the playoffs in a couple make a statement keep the keep uh it on your opponent even when they're out of it exactly no doubt with it also could be because Dane is a really raw quarterback, and they're just trying to get him as many reps as possible before the playoffs. So maybe that has something to do with it. One reps against the team that he potentially is playing in the in their first playoff game. Yeah, it's also true. Yeah. Now on to the final rendition of the dumpster fire bowl for this year, it with. Toronto beating the Ottawa Red Blacks 39-9 at home. Now, Ottawa, four, well, 80% of their possessions were two and outs. Well into the second corner uh, until they got their next first down. Why, why is this, and how can they improve next season? Well, that's the tough part. Like, I, I know they were, I don't know if Madu and uh, Crockett are hurt, but uh, they were playing Greg Morris and Brendan Gallagher, or Gilligers. So uh, I think, I mean, if you don't have a running game, it starts there. And, I mean, they're trying out Will Arndt. Uh, Dominic Davis is starting next week. So uh, I think it's pretty much an overhaul of that locker room, at least on the offense. James, you got anything there? I was at this game. I've never experienced such a horrible game in my life in person. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's all I gotta say. Like I've never seen such horrible QB play in my life. It was like watching a JV squad go against varsity or like a college team. It was horrendous. And really that bad, eh? Yeah, it was bad. Even though Toronto had a few turnovers. Uh, it was it was not a very good game. I was uh, I was left thinking to myself, "Wow, what a waste of my time." Sorry, <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's not something you say often going to a game. I certainly haven't in a long time. Uh, just with the disaster Ottawa has been this year, I think before this game even started, they had a hundred eight two an ounce, which is by far the most in the league. Just. Yeah, they have to really they have to upgrade their run game for sure. Just and they need better quarterback play. I just think that's killing this entire team season is just the massive dumpster fire at quarterback they have that, you know, their GM gave them this like Rick Campbell's a good coach, but he can't turn manure into gold. You know, with these quarterbacks that they have. Dom Davis is shown to be nothing special. Jonathan Jennings has looked pretty bad. And Will Art isn't the solution right now. So I really don't know where you go from there. Well, yeah, yeah that that's exactly it. Like, I, I think they really got to see what they can get in free agency and hope they can uh, spend some money on a good quarterback to stick around for a while. Most definitely. Their offensive line play hasn't even been that bad. It's not like these guys are getting pressured every two seconds. It's just these guys aren't professional football players. Well, not professional quarterbacks, at least, that they're getting. They're just kind of uh, bridge guys you use for a few weeks if your starter gets hurt. Exactly, yeah. I would agree with that for Dom Davis. I think Jonathan Jennings might be done or get in there. And Will Art, again, he's young. And he still needs to develop, but hey, he he won a championship as a semi-pro quarterback in Canada. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add that because not many people know that he won one in Fort Mac. I forget the team, but Alberta has a semi-pro league, and he won that. So wait, Will Arndt? Yeah, Will Arndt. Wow. The more you know. Yeah, that's just one of those little interesting facts that I dug up about him, which is just. Thought that was a cool little thing to throw in there. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, there was a major storyline at quarterback this week 
Canadian quarterback Michael O'Connor. How did he look this game, Taylor? Uh, yeah, I thought. I mean, he he played well for the time they gave him. They gave him nine passes, and we got sixty-one yards and a touchdown. Uh, I want to see more of him, and uh, I think you know he could be a good development guy down the road. Now, I specifically asked this question because, well. O'Connor was a draft prospect last year, and James being our draft expert, it's fitting that he's filling in for Carter on this show. Now, James, I asked you a two-part question about how did O'Connor look. I said, how do you evaluate his first performance, and B, does this change how scouts view successful youth sports quarterbacks? And I used Noah Picton as an example, because he held a lot of youth sport records, but was never really given a shot, even though he proved that the kid can ball. But, yeah, what what do you think of O'Connor? I, I just want to say this first. Toronto's fiending O'Connor. A Canadian QB who's from Ontario playing in Toronto. Man, he just went in uh, on third down just to pick up, try and pick up a first down running it, and people were losing it. Then it went quiet as soon as he left. But... Honestly, um, I think he he did look uh, very good, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. You have to factor in this was in garbage time against a trash team who was basically uh, just going through the motions. Uh, but he also did throw some really really good balls. That wow, they 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 shocked me. I was shocked at how good his balls were. Uh, Pause. Anyway, uh, he he that that TD was very nice, but I think the receiver kind of made more of the play. Uh, even though it was a nice smooth ball. Uh, the difference between O'Connor and these other guys is he's an outlier because he played prep school in the states, like high school football in the states, as well as he went to IMG Academy, who, if you guys don't know, is just pumps out pro football players, guys who go to Alabama, Ohio State. And in high school, he was a four-star recruit. Alabama offered him. Ohio State, Michigan, any team that's a powerhouse in college football offered him. Uh, but people don't know this. He did indeed play uh, a year at Penn State. Uh, obviously, wasn't going the way he wanted, so he transferred to the University of British Columbia, where he tore it up. But we have to think, He's going from playing against dudes who are now starter, starters in the NFL uh, and then going to U sports and playing with dudes who, to be quite frank, probably aren't that good because there's such a small there's such a small amount of people playing football up here. But also, he is a big guy. He's 6'4", 6'5", 230. That's a, that's a pro quarterback right there, that size. That's what NFL scouts look for. That's why he had the Seahawks training camp. But also, the only guy that I can compare to him who is good and is big in youth sports, like has the body type, is Sinegra. But Sinegra only ever played in Canada, so I'm not sure uh, how he'll fare in the CFL. But Picton, uh, using his him as an, ex- as an example, he was unreal in youth sports. Disgusting. Absolutely savage. <laughs> but He's not going to get a look. He's five foot eight, uh, which is bad. I like Noah Picton. I want to see him do well, but no one's going to give him take him serious because he's very short for a pro quarterback. So that's that's the issue. Yeah, it's certainly disappointing that no one was willing to give him a shot because of his height there. But I mean, with Sanagra coming up in this year's draft and him being ranked uh, in the scouting bureau, there's actually two quarterbacks for the first time I can remember in the top 20. So I would like to see Sanagra definitely get a shot in the league. I also do think Nathan Rourke has a better chance than O'Connor. Believe it at that. Oh, I'm not even going to argue that for sure, especially coming from a Div 1 U.S. school and starting there for starting, more than yeah. one year. Like, yeah, he's definitely, he's probably a backup in the CFL's first year, I'm betting. And maybe oh, no he gets doubt. some time. No, a lot, it's very tough to start at any position in the first year. It's very rare. Guys who usually do make that transition 
are O-linemen in their first year, but that's still very tough. Yeah, that's true. It's just, like I said, he might get looks, but I doubt he'll... I don't think he's going to start his first year. To say he'd start his first year is absolutely crazy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And for our final question about this game, how did Ottawa get beat so badly by Toronto when Toronto is using what's normally their third and fourth string quarterbacks for the entire second half of the game? Uh, I I think it comes down to quarterback play. Toronto did use three quarterbacks, but in total they went 26 of 39 for 357 yards and five touchdowns. No interceptions. So I, I think that's the tell-all right there, that they have uh, their DBs are not good. And when uh, Michael O'Connor, a rookie, and Dakota Perkop can throw, you know, Dakota threw two touchdowns. So I think that's where it is. Yeah, it's simple as that. Um, I, I think guys on the Red Blacks uh, were playing in mind with, why would I hurt myself? Playing a meaningless game. It's as Deion Sanders once said, it's business decisions, baby. Why why risk permanently hurting yourself for a meaningless game? Just go in there and get that paper, baby. Play for that paycheck. But uh yeah, I think Ottawa kinda is defeated now and their give a crap level wasn't there and uh, that's why they got torn up. Yeah, I think they're bad and they know it sort of thing with the Ottawa Red Blacks at this point in the year. It's just, I don't know if that compute level is there, and yeah, I, I just I think Ottawa's quarterbacks are so bad that Tro- all the way down, Toronto's first to fourth string quarterbacks are all better than any of the quarterbacks on Ottawa's roster. Yep. I didn't, I didn't think you'd ever be able to say that. No, but it's true. It is. Like, I would not take any of the three quarterbacks Ottawa has over Michael O'Connor or Dakota Prukop, who are their three and four. Like, how... I just... I'm baffled by how an organization can, you know, just crap the bed so badly in the offseason that they they have, you know, third-string cal- uh, third caliber quarterbacks being their starters. Well, and it's it's crazy to think too. Like through the first couple weeks in the year in the CFL this year, we thought Ottawa was going to be a possibly a powerhouse in the, and they ended up turning into the worst team in the. Yep, and I'll let I'll shout out Derek Taylor again. He can take a victory lap on this one because he predicted they'd be hashtag dead ass last in the CFL. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give him another shout-out there. He was right about that. They are definitely the worst team, and it's by a huge margin because Toronto and BC both have showed glimpses of being an actual team this year, whereas Ottawa, they were mostly pretenders in the first couple of games, and then after that, they haven't won a game since August 2nd. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. That's that's bad. That's really bad. Oh, oh, that oh, that's not good. Yikes! I'm... So to conclude our recap, we have the last game of the week: Saskatchewan beating Edmonton on a walk-off field goal, twenty-seven to twenty-four in Edmonton. Now, how did Trevor Harris look to you guys in his return? Uh, I think he looked okay. I mean, he threw two picks and a touchdown, which is not good. Those picks were pretty costly, too, in the end zone and at not a good time. Uh, like, he didn't throw bad, though. 27 to 37, 321 for 73% completion rate. So, um, I, I think he looked like the Trevor Harris we're getting ready for in the playoffs coming up. The the choke artist, if you will. ho ho Oh, I, I thought you were going to say something nice, but then the choke artist line? Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, I mean, that's what he's done. Every time he's kind of been in that position, he's oh, choked. Yep. Or he's gotten hurt. Yeah. Calgary. 
up. Anywho, um, I think this is kind of to be expected, but I'm shocked at how many yards he had. He threw for over 300 yards, which was uh, 350 yards, if I'm not mistaken, which is impressive. But, uh, yeah, those interceptions were big. That also uh, led to them losing, uh, not just that, because, you know, your defense is just on the field, you know, or they're just constantly on the field, even though the time of possession is split. It's it's tough for your defense just to go off the field than to have to go right back on because it's still a costly interception. Yeah, no doubt with that. Um, I thought Trevor Harris was a little rusty but ordinary. Like, that first interception in the end zone, I'm chalking that one up to rust. But yeah, the untimely one, that's very Trevor Harris-ish. So... <laughs> I, I thought he was fine for the most part, but other than those two, yeah, he, he threw for a good amount of yards, and minus those picks, I thought he had a decent game. Now, is Sask the best team in the league when it comes to crunch time? I'm, I, I really think that they are. I, I'm a little biased as a Ryder fan, but when it comes down to that you know, that last drive, they drove, I think it. they said, uh, 67 yards on that last drive to get the field goal to win. Uh, like, Cody can do it. The team believes in it. They're all behind each other. So I think they are. I think they are the best team when it comes to crunch time. Uh, man, this is a tough one. I'm a Calgary fan, so I'm trying not to be biased. But, you know, kind of been uh, Bo's arrow that he's uh, clutch, but... This year, I'll say Sask, but the past few years, it's been Calgary. This year, it's definitely oh, yeah. been Sask. Yeah. They've, look, they have the record to show for it. Yeah, Saskatchewan, I think they've had at least three walk-off wins. I know they've had one against Winnipeg this one, and I think there's another one in there I'm forgetting. But this team has but, definitely shown they have composure, and especially yeah. in that final three minutes. Well, yeah, and you, you think two of the couple games where Cody's ran in for the last-minute touchdowns to win the game, too. Yep, that's probably the one I'm forgetting. But, yeah, that's just... It's who this team is. They can get it done in those final three minutes, and that's just how they like to win it. It must be hell for Ryder fans, because if my team is down three minutes in the game, but it's close, I'm biting my nails. But, yeah, it's... Saskatchewan just knows how to win those games for me, so I think they absolutely maybe they're not the best team in the league, but they're definitely the most clutch, and it's not close. Yeah. Now, another topic that I'm sure Eskimo fans will want to discuss: Does Jason Moss have a job next year? Uh, if I was Brock Suther Sutherland, uh, I would say he wouldn't. Uh, I just. It, to me, it seems like the players don't rally behind him, and they kind of threw it together this year. They have had had some success, sorry, but they haven't beat a team over 500. So what kind of success is it? And they're sneaking in the playoffs. They got lucky in the end. So I, I don't think he should. Uh, sorry for my theatrics, but I just got to do this. Get him out of here, man. Get him out of here. I'll tell you this much. Jason Moss. You've had one too many chances, Mr. Clean-looking guy. <laughs> he's had too many chances. This happens every year, where he starts hot, and then he peters out, and they just manage to get in the playoffs. Like, last year, they missed it, but they just managed to beat crappy teams, and they can't hang with anyone who's legit. And it just goes to show that uh, if they want to hang with the big dogs like Sask and Calgary and Winnipeg, Gonna have to get a new head coach, because uh, Jason Moss is only gonna hold you guys back. You've uh, reached your ceiling with him, so to speak. I agree with that a lot, because I think Edmonton, there's a lot of talented players there. You mean just look at that defense? It's been great. They've got tools on offense that they can use. I just, yeah, I don't think their coach, uh, Jason Moss, is gonna have a job next year as a head coach. I do think, however, he'll probably find a coordinator job because he is an effective offensive coordinator, but 
yeah, he is definitely not cut out to be a head coach in this league, at least for right now. Definitely. Yeah, I I'm sure the, the Gatorade bins will thank us all when he's fired in this off season. <laughs> So on to our fantasy segment this week. Uh, for value picks, we have AJ Olette of the Toronto Argonauts, Caleb Hawley. Oh, Olette, sorry, his price is thirty five hundred. Uh, Caleb Hawley's price is just under thirty three hundred. And Chandler Worthy, who's still somehow twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> so grab him while you can. Anybody that I missed, you guys, or that you would take off. Uh, the only one I would add would be Richard Sedani. Uh, the last time they played BC, he had three catches for 53 yards. He had 8.3 fantasy points. And uh, he's progressed through the season, so uh, I think he's a good pickup at 27.06. He's not too bad. Shout out to my boy. I actually played with Richie Sedani in the CJFL. Anyway, yeah, Worthy's worthy of that pick. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, so Sounds Danny, good. the former Campbell Tartan, is definitely worth a look this week, I would say. Now, on to our best positional options. We have Cody Fajardo at $10,695. We have Verdon Adams at $10,195. Bo at just under 10000 and Big game, Dane, at $9,073. Any quarterback you would add or take off there? I wouldn't uh, take off. Sorry. So, uh, I, uh, I got Bo Levi in my lineup, so I agree with everything you said. They're getting pricey, though, for Fajardo and VA, and VA might not even play the whole game again. So that, that's a pretty big price tag to pay for him, in my opinion. That's what I was about to say for Evans. Evans is cheap, but they've clinched it, so I don't see him uh, playing against Toronto the whole time. And I'd say take Bo. These guys are trying to prove something that they're worthy of the number one spot in the West. Yeah, I kind of agree there. You do run a risk of B.A. and Evans not playing the full game, so put an asterisk beside those two that if you hear anything during the week about quarterback rotation, get them out of your lineup. Uh, I personally haven't heard anything, so that's why they're obviously in the in the positional picks. But if you really want to play it safe, definitely go with Bo or Cody because both are actually playing for something this week. If Saskatchewan wins, I believe they clinch first in the West. Yep. And... Yeah, if Calgary needs to win, too, to also have a shot at being first in the West. So, moving on to our running backs. I could only find really two that I thought were worth picking this week. You have Shaq Cooper at just over 5,700. And Jeremiah Johnson, who's just over 5,500. Anyone you would add or take off there? Uh, no, I got Jeremiah in my lineup, and uh, I got Terrell Sutton in my lineup right now, but I'm going to swap him out pretty soon, and I might even pick up Cooper for that price tag. Uh, I think these are uh, both two good picks. they got nothing to add or take away. Awesome. Now, on to our wide receivers. We have Braylon Addison, who is just under 9,200. You have Eric Rogers, who's just under 8,300. You have Shaq Evans, who's just under 7,200. Naaman Roosevelt at $5,742. Juan Bray at $5,348. You have Ricky Collins at $5,294. You have Herji Maiala at just over 4,500. And Dane Evans is just under 4200 Any other receivers that I'm saying or that you would add? Uh, no, I got Eric Rogers and Naaman Roosevelt in my lineup. Um, the other guy I have in my lineup, and uh, 
he'll be mentioned later too, but is uh, Deron Carter. Uh, I think last, you know, last game of the year, he's going to, he's going to come out big. And you've loved Deron Carter. <laughs> I just, I think he's a good player. Anything you would add in there, James? No, I got nothing to add, man. All I agree right. with all y'all saying. That's awesome. All right. So, for the team defense people, I didn't really see any other options. So, I just went with the Calgary defense at $4,410. They have a great matchup playing Danny O'Brien's BC Lions. And I don't think there's any other matchups this week that are really exploitable to you guys. The only one I'd consider would be Hamilton and Toronto, like with Hamilton's defense. Like if you need one and like you're willing to pay 5100 bucks for one, maybe them. But again, that one could be potentially not as outputting as Calgary. Definitely. So... Moving on to our locks here, for me, I have Braylon Addison at $9,167. He is playing Toronto, and historically, he has had very strong weeks against Toronto, putting up 35.2 points earlier in the year, and then more recently, putting up 42 points on uh, fantasy points against the Argos, so... The history is there. I think he has another strong out in this week. Oh, good point. Uh, I got uh, Deron Carter as my lock this week with uh, $4,829. Uh, the last time they played Calgary, he had 11.4 fantasy points. So I think for that price, and if he gets about the same, uh, I think he's worth it. Uh, I was going to say Eric Rogers, but you know what? I'm thinking a last second change. Fergie Mayala, I'm uh, locking in at $4,518 because uh, over the past few games, he's starting to pour it on. He uh, In the past four games, he's really produced, and uh, Bo's starting to feed him the rock, so to speak. Last week, he had 83 yards and two touchdowns, and uh, is definitely sure to produce this week against BC. Yeah, Hershey's definitely got a really nice matchup this week against the soft BC secondary. With Deron Carter, though, he's up against Trey Roberson, Taylor. How do you think he's going to win that matchup? Ooh, that, that's going to be a good matchup to watch, especially with Danny O'Brien throwing on the ball. Or Brandon Bridge, because I think they'll probably rotate and BC would be my guess. So that that's going to be a good matchup. And... uh I mean, Duran's tall. He can. I think he can catch pretty much anything around him, but that is a good defender he'll be up against. So that'll be a battle to watch. Not to mention he and Bridge have previous chemistry with both of those guys being in Saskatchewan and Ron coming up with some nice plays with some Brandon Bridge passes there. Yeah, exactly. So on to our news segment for this week. Toronto has signed NFL and AF alumni running back Bishop Shanky. Final decision on ha- Halifax Stadium will be decided by Halifax City Council December 3rd or December 10th on whether that proposal will go through. Red Blacks start Dom Davis in their last game of the season. Trevor Harris will not start for the final game against the Riders. Christian Jones is out for the remainder of the year with a left knee injury. Devon Campbell, CFL alumni, was promoted to the Chargers' active roster. He's also Canadian. Now, this is a funny story. So, for Three Down Nation's power rankings, which is the main CFL news website, obviously, they had write-ins for Laval and Western for their... This is the CFL power rankings instead of the Ottawa Red Blacks. <laughs> That's how bad uh, they've been this year. And honestly, probably either of those teams could beat the current Ottawa Red Blacks right now. Oh, oh I think they could. Uh, yeah, this is a slap in the... Ottawa. <laughs> but... 
But, I mean, uh, but it's accurate. But Ottawa, you suck. So, you know what? I'm going to defend this, okay? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna defend it too, and I'm going to probably agree with it, honestly, at this point. Oh, 100%. no doubt. So, on to our game time questions for this week. Now, for Montreal versus Ottawa first, is this game worth watching to you guys? Uh, I, I might check it out for a bit, but I'm not sitting down with uh, some wings in front of me to watch it, that's for sure. Uh, this is not worth my time of day. I will be doing more productive things. Thank you. Man, y'all are harsh. I'm going to be watching this game because, again, I, I want to see maybe some of these draft picks get a little more time than they normally would, like that kid from Laval who's playing oh, with Montreal. Uh, no, the the running back that they just had play. Uh, I can't remember his name, though. But he was drafted this year. He looked pretty good in the time he played. Hugo Rashard definitely would be nice to see if they care to put him in. I don't think that'll happen. I'll be watching, though. Now, for Edmonton versus Saskatchewan, this is definitely a game worth watching. Can Sask go back-to-back -back and take the West Division? Uh, I think so. With the news that Trevor Harris is going to be sitting this week, they're probably going to rest other guys. So I think it should be uh, a fairly easy win, knock on wood. Uh... Yeah, uh, it is tough to say, but with uh, my man Kilgore in there, they ain't going to win anything. I ain't going to lie. He's probably the worst quarterback in the league. Anywho. Man, that's harsh when you got Dom Davis, Will Arnt, and Jonathan Jennings in the league, man. Will Arnt is James Franklin. Good. James Franklin isn't that bad. I'm not. I'm not on the hate James Franklin train yet. No man, he's the next Mike Riley. Stop he, it. Sixteen <laughs> touchdowns and two interceptions. Come on now. Yeah, and what did he do this year? Yeah, well, that's because they don't want him in Toronto, and he knows it. He's gonna go somewhere else where they want him and play well. <laughs> but yeah, I'll eat some crow if he does good on another team. I'll eat some crow. Hey, he might even be Saskatchewan's backup next year. Oof. Okay, because he did well. Remember, that offense he did well in, that was a McAdoo offense. So That's true. Maybe he's a backup for the Riders. But can Sask go back-to-back, especially with them being at Mosaic Stadium? Yeah, absolutely. Even if Trevor Harris was in this game, I'd still have the Riders taking it. Cause, again, Edmonton has not beat a team over 500 the entire year. So. And then we're going to go Toronto versus Hamilton. Is this game going to be close, or will this be a blowout, in your guys' opinion? Uh, I think it should be a blowout. Uh, it just depends how long Hamilton plays all their starters. And if they play them for a while, it's a blowout. I'm, uh, I think Toronto's going to win. I'll save that for later. Ooh. That's all, all I'm going to say. I'll go in-depth in later, okay? Alright, alright. You're going to definitely have to explain that one. I think it will be a close game, because... Yeah, Hamilton is trying to go for, I think, a franchise record in wins right now. I think they're trying to get 14 or 15 wins. So they might play their starters a little longer than some people might want. But I think it will still be a close game because I like Toronto's depth QBs too. And I don't know, I just feel like Toronto could actually make a decent game of this. Now... On the final game of the week, Calgary versus BC. Is this a trap game for Calgary since BC is at home? Uh, I think it has the potential to be. Like, I think BC is looking to play spoiler for Calgary, so they're going to come out guns blazing. And I don't know if Calgary is ready for what's going to hit, but it could be completely opposite. Calgary could just mop the floor all, all over them. So it just depends what BC shows up. Uh, Calgary's gonna go in there, drop a 50, put the nail in the frickin' coffin Ooh. to cap off the season. They're gonna go into playoffs and they're gonna dominate, baby. You heard it here first. YYC, baby. Go Stamps. Uh, go let my boy Bo Levi Mitchell, right? 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't see this being a trap game. I think Calgary wins just because if this was Mike Riley's BC Lions, I think, yeah, maybe it could be a trap game. But just with Daniel Bryan at quarterback, I'm going to have to say no, I'm going with Calgary. So on to our final segment this week, predictions. So for me, I have Montreal beating Ottawa, obviously. Saskatchewan beating Edmonton. Hamilton beating Toronto. And Calgary beating B. you guys have this week? Uh, I have Montreal winning, Saskatchewan winning, Hamilton winning, and BC beating Calgary. Well, uh, I have Montreal winning, Sask winning, and Toronto. Uh, wow. I think Toronto's going to win only because Hamilton's going to rest their starters and Toronto will pull it off because last game of the season, let's go hard. Uh, let's get some Michael O'Connor up in there and uh, let's pour it on these guys who aren't playing their starters. Let's, let's be silly. Anyway, then uh, I think Calgary's going to beat BC. I ain't ever going to count those guys. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would say, I I definitely want to see more of Michael O'Connor, but I don't think they are winning that game. Yeah, I I honestly want to see more of O'Connor. So hopefully, maybe they just play Krukapa half, then they play O'Connor. Yeah, I I was just going for the hot take. Oh yeah, going for the hot <laughs> take. That that's fair. We do that a lot on this show, so. I believe that wraps it up for this week, guys. You can find our podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you search True North CFL Podcast on any social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, you'll find us. And again, you can also find us that way through Spotify, Twitter, or not, not Twitter, sorry, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thank you all for listening. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.